Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hey, welcome back to The Bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. Joining me always is my co-pilot on this endeavor um, as we eagerly await the... Your, I, David, I would say I'm the chewy to your Han Solo. So how, how are you doing in this on this Monday, <laughs> October 21st, is pre the Star Wars trailer dropping? Yeah, it could happen while we're recording, so we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh We'll see what happens. I uh, I think there will probably be like some reveal, you know, footage that they show that'll make us go crazy, and then it'll turn out when we watch the movie in a couple months that it was all misleading anyway. But chops, chops will tweet about it fifty times fun, about so. it and be angry about it. We get good fifty, sixty tweets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so looking at looking at this start of the season, the Cavs are back Wednesday. The Cavs have basically, I think, a pretty rough start to the season. Um, they get Orlando on Wednesday in Orlando. Uh, I think that game is interesting on a whole bunch of levels. Then you get Indiana, Milwaukee, Chicago, Indiana, and then Dallas. That's a really interesting start to the campaign. Uh, you know, three of those games at home, three of those games on the road, two games into Indiana, like right away, which is, uh, even if Indiana is going to struggle a little bit, that's a more talented team than the Cavs. Um, but David, we're, I think what we're going to get into today is just what we're sort of excited about. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you get started here. When you think about the 2019, 20 Cavs, what is like the thing that excites you? We'll get into some of the, the jetty, not getting an extension stuff later and, and that, but what do you think about where we're, as we start the season, What's what's kind of piquing your interest right now? Just seeing how it all fits together. Um, you know, I think I was like less in on the like beeline being an interesting hire. Like I think people were kind of like excited that it was an outside the box hire. I I think it was kind of the best case of the outside the box hires. Like as far as what Dan Gilbert was going to do, that's that's fine. Um, but now like after having seen the training camp and some of his frustrations, I think one of the things I'm most excited about is just seeing what he can do and what he can put together. Um, or what he can't put put together. Like I'm kind of interested to see him maybe run into some limitations. So I think that's kind of the most interesting part early on, you know, just, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, what, what does, what can Darius Garland do? But, um, there's no shortage of storylines. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say this. I think the Cavs are, when you think about, when you think about the, the bad teams in the league, and I would say, you know, you have teams like the Cavs, you have teams like the Grizzlies, you have teams like the Charlotte Hornets, the New York Knicks, whatever. I think Memphis is more interesting just because I think uh, out of the the two teams, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is like clearly the best prospect out of either of these two teams. Um, I think Jock could be number two. I think there's certainly at least an argument for that. Garland, you know, not playing basketball in the last year, I think certainly kind of tilts that in their favor a little bit. Um, but I think the Cavs have a lot that we're just going to see how it works. You know, Beeline is making a jump, not just in terms of, um, you know, college to the pros but he's it's a difference in terms of like the actual product but it's a different schedule it's a different flow it's a different you know way to manage a locker room as opposed to managing 19 18 19 20 year olds it's managing guys that are 
you know, not his contemporaries, but are in their thirties. Um, they have one all have one at the highest level, like guys like Tristan, guys, guys that have to earn out here to earn money is not so. And, and college guys are too, but it's like, these guys are sort of already know what are sort of already in, in, you know, in this world. Um, you know, when you get into situations like some of the frustrations you've alluded to with just kind of how he seems to be feeling about stuff, that it kind of sets it up to be just kind of how does he approach, you know, he they're going to play on Wednesday. Um, if he was at Michigan, he would get, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday basically to tinker um, and figure stuff out and, and adjust and have them ready for whatever was going to come on the weekend game. With this, they're going to fly home, you know, um, maybe they practice or have something one of those couple of days, but it's not like he's going to have like their full committed time to kind of tinker and, and adjust after, you know, if they have a, if they lay an egg on Wednesday and how he kind of approaches that when that tinkering is going to be just look differently will be interesting. I don't remember who said this. It might've been Jalen Rose. Um, someone, I, I was listening to a podcast recently, they were talking about this, but like college and the pros are like a different language basically like they may sound the same look the same it's the same sport it's like portuguese and spanish was the, was the analogy but when you actually start having to write them and do them and, and speak in that tongue they're completely different and i think that's gonna i think that's never gonna be more prevalent for john beeline the first like three months of the season yeah i mean and like he's gonna have to like figure out when he mentally gets over that hurdle right like he might make peace with the situation last weekend. I don't know. I mean, he might be fine now. Like, he might understand what he is about to undertake. But like you said, it could take three months. It could be a long period of time. And there's no, like, silver bullet for this team to, like, start winning, right? Like, if they have Kevin Love, that helps. If they have Tristan Thompson, that helps. If Darius Garland is better than we think, that helps. But um, they have they have uh, they have a long way to go, and they're not really trying to win either. So um, even if they're not going to, so uh, that it, it it's kind of jumped the other storylines into being the most interesting thing. Um, Outside of that, you know, I think Garland and Sexton, like, uh, you have, I think, a bona fide talent uh, in Darius Garland, maybe, right? Like, as a prospect, he has looked good in what we've seen in the preseason. His pedigree is good. And Colin Sexton, I'm not prepared to write him off. Um, I think he's got a long way to go, too, just in terms of how he plays, but he's already taken steps forward, so... Uh, those guys are exciting. So for me, one of the things I'm really interested to just see, because I, I think this stuff matters, especially when you're just trying to, um, you know, establish some sort of decency, establish some sort of like competent um, baseline. I just want to know how the Cavs are going to defend anybody um, and see how they do it. Right. Like, I don't know if we're going to see John Henson Wednesday. I don't know what to like make of the fact that they've talked him up quite a bit in the preseason, but it does not seem like he is going to play. It does not seem like he's going to have a, a chance to kind of factor in in the beginning here. 
And when I think about that, I just like don't know how this Cavs team that was really, really bad on defense last year, uh, maybe the worst defense in NBA history, I think had the worst defensive rating in history. I don't know how that's better. I think the signing of Alonzo McKinney can't hurt, but like I, it's unclear to me if he's going to like get a chance to play or if he's just like a depth signing. Um, I'm a little less interested in it if they're just going to make him a depth signing or if he's going to get a chance. I don't know how much Henson's going to help, even if he's the, the most proven shot blocker on this roster, but you look at last year, this is a team that finished the year with 116 defensive rating. That was the worst in the league by 2.6 points per 100 possessions. <laughs> like, I, I don't quite know what is going to make this better, and I just, like, I don't know what this, the like, how much I can, like, glean on the offensive end or how much will, like, really kind of show up and matter because I, I don't... I just frankly don't know if I know how to evaluate that in the context of if the defense is so bad that like you have to be perfect on offense. What is like the what are we doing here? You know, I just wonder what that kind of how that all kind of measures itself out. Yeah, they've definitely taken no steps to like fix the defense roster wise, right? Um, like the I, I don't, I'm not saying that Cinderius um, Thornwell is like a perfect player, but he was the best wing defender in the team, and now he's cut. And then McKinney's, it's either McKinney or Osman that's the best wing defender at this point. And that's like, that, I like, I, you, you look at the schedule, I, who the who the F is defending Giannis next week? Like, what's the plan? You know, like, you're not stopping him anyway, but like, at least last year you had Nawaba. It seems to me like it's a Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance assignment, if, if that's that's where we're headed with like bigger wings like that. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no, there's no plan, Chris. I mean, that's, uh, they're not there yet. The plan is the 2020 draft. The plan is, you know, 2021 free agency and or the trade, you know, the trade market um, and not now and probably not even that soon. So, um, but I think you're making a good point. Like if you're asking players to develop, you know, putting them around people who care about defense um if you're asking players to develop offensively it's a lot easier if you are getting stops every once in a while and i think um when you have as many veterans as this team still does it's a little disappointing that uh not very many of them are going to be able to help you defensively i mean i think kevin love and tristan thompson do and if they are available and they are you know committed then that's where your defensive growth can come. Um, you know, Larry Nance coming off the bench is probably a better defensive player than a lot of guys on bench units, but you're you're asking a lot of those guys, and like you said, you know, in terms of the perimeter specifically, there's not really anything there. Are you worried about Kevin Love coming out of his preseason at all? This is like what the, the numbers he put up, which are bad. Um just you know 20 percent from three i think stuff like that does that worry you at all when you think about what he's going to provide this team uh no i don't think so um that's a guy who's just pacing himself and uh the last preseason game he you know scored seven points in the first three minutes and i'm sure at that point he probably felt like oh yeah see i i can still do this and then ramp down again um I, I mean at some point you're right like that could happen he's not 
he's not 26 anymore. Um, but I don't want to believe that we're there yet. But um, I guess we won't know until it's happened. So we'll see. All right. So when, what else are you kind of intrigued by? I think Garland's very high in the list. Um, I don't think we're going to see him start until like November at the earliest. I think that they're going to play that pretty slow. I'm curious to see how he's deployed. I'm curious to see what the plan is on the wing. Um, but like, I really want to see as much of Garland and Sexton as we can. And you've kind of hinted at that, but I wonder how much we're going to see of it early. Um, we saw just a bit in the preseason and if Garland's coming off the bench, you know, I wonder if the plan is to stagger them earlier or not. Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, and if we're talking about degree of difficulty that you're asking, um, of the players again, I just think asking Colin and Darius to like figure it out together early on is, is kind of a lot. Um, so I, I would probably like to see them staggered, you know, maybe they get, seven or eight minutes together per game um, early on. Uh, but I don't think you need to force feed them minutes together early on. They have enough that they're trying to figure out. But um, but who knows? Um, because I, I like the idea of Garland, you know, starting out at the 18 to 22 minute range uh, simply because he hasn't played in a long time um, consistently. Um, but eventually, you know, fans are going to want more. So we'll see. Do you have, when you look at the rotation, do you have a, a guys that you want, like you could consider locks? When you look at the roster, are there guys you would just consider like locks to be in the rotation if in your mind? Because uh, there's like maybe 12, 13 guys you could say like should play, like have an argument to play. Uh, I mean, I think Tristan, Kevin, Larry uh Darius Colin uh Chetty and that's I'm sure I'm missing somebody but that's that's probably the only people that are guaranteed the spot but um but that could change and I mean I think we know with a lot of these guys people get banged up I mean uh Larry Nance is usually not healthy it's been a while since Tristan Thompson was the Iron Man. Um, Colin Sexton's really the only guy that never gets hurt. So um, bumps and bruises will mean that we see a lot of guys. And then, you know, if they're struggling too, Beeline's going to be, um, you know, trying to, to, to find ways to make it work. So guys, you know, could be bouncing in and out of the, the, the lineup as well. So... Uh, I think that's going to change a lot. All right, so looking at the roster, Love, starter, Tristan, starter. Brandon Knight, I think, probably plays. Clarkson seems like definitely going to play. Nance going to play. I think get a chance to do a lot of stuff. Henson, I have no idea. Um, Deli seems like he's going to start, which we'll get into, I guess. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton both going to play. Jetty going to play. Ante Zizic is just kind of like out for a month. Okay. Uh, Dil- Dylan Windler seems like Beeline likes him a lot, so he'll play when he gets back. Then you have McKinney, and then you have KPJ. That's like a lot of dudes. And the guy, like, I feel bad saying this because I liked what he did in some of the preseason stuff, but like, Knight, Knight would probably be the first guy that I'm like, I don't need to worry about this. And like, I, I, 
I, you and I have talked about this at least off air a little bit. I'm not like totally unsure that Ante Zizic isn't good. Um, but if he's missing a month, like he kind of has to hope someone gets injured or is just playing so badly for him to get a shot when he gets back. And I, I just don't know what to really expect from him at this point, even though he's still kind of young and it takes big longer to figure it out and whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think the Cavs have a lot of dudes that are just fine to have in the 11 to 13 range. Um, you know, if, if Zizic is getting 18 minutes a game, I think it's fine. Do I think on a good team that's like plan A? No, but... Uh, I think if somebody got hurt and he had to jump into the rotation for a while, you're not that that's not going to hurt you that badly. So I guess that's where I see him uh, right now. But I mean, he's not even it, the fact that he's not healthy is not like something that you're you know that worried about. I, I don't think um, now if if Tristan or Larry go down and then you don't have Zizic ready to go. You know that that's that's kind of a problem, I think. Or you know that's where you're kind of like, oh, I kind of wish he was available because I I think he'd be fine to step into the rotation, but he doesn't have to be Plan A or Plan B. Yeah, he's like Plan C or D probably. Um, all right, I'm gonna let you kind of lead this. What is something? What is just like a topic in regards to Wednesday's Wednesday's game in terms of contract extensions? What is something else that's just kind of percolating your mind? I'm gonna let you riff here for a minute. What's just something that's like. You just don't you don't know if you can make sense of it. You have a strong take on it. What is just something in regards to anything Cavsy that you're kind of feeling? I think it'll be fun, like on Wednesday, and like this was totally me last year, so I'm not really even calling anybody out. But like people who don't know that Orlando is actually pretty good, right? So like if we're down by 25, and there's going to be like a lot of people saying, "Wow, they're getting blown out even by Orlando." Um, well, that's like a pretty decent, you know, uh, team in the Eastern conference. So, uh, I think people should be sort of ready for that. Um, and, uh, they also, in a, a few of the preseason games just took a lot of threes, but didn't make very many threes. So I'm, I'm sort of curious, like, will they stick to that? Uh, will that dissuade them from taking threes? Uh, Will they ever think about acquiring players who take threes? Um, I, I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. Uh, so where they're at three-point shooting-wise, I'm glad that they're uh, valuing that, valuing it in terms of their offense. Um, but uh, personnel-wise, you know, we'll see how it goes because I think like their first Boston game, they were like seven of forty. And then the next game, they improved by quite a bit, but it still wasn't what you would consider a, a particularly good, um, a, a particularly good percentage or anything like that. So um, variance is obviously a big deal. So I don't know that we're going to learn that on Wednesday necessarily, but uh, something to keep an eye on. The other thing I think I'm really curious about is. Um is how often, like, whether it's due to beeline tinkering, um, whether it's due to injuries or whatever, I wonder how much we see the rotation change in the first, like, 10 to 15 games. Um, and, I, and I wonder, like, in a micro sense, like, how often he's just going to adjust in-game. Um, I can't say that I've, like, watched a ton of his 
coaching career like at Michigan or wherever else. Like I can't say like I sort of have a read on his tendencies. I wonder like if he's going to, if like he, if we get through the first half on Wednesday and like, let's say Delhi starts and plays really bad. If he's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like let's go bigger. Let's go like, let's put Jetty at the two or let's put let's get McKinney in there and just combat some of the length that, I mean, that that's an Orlando team. That's like super long. Um, you know, you have Fultz, you have, who's going to be really interesting to see right away. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, like Mo Bamba is going to get some minutes for them. Like that's a really long team. Um, that's a John Hammond kind of archetype built team. How do the gaps combat that? And what is Beeland's kind of strategy for that? And, you know, and how does the defensive factor in this, you know, like I, I, I think we're, it's been very clearly established that JB Bickerstaff is kind of the one, um, organizing the defense. And it seems like they're going to do some stuff we didn't see in the preseason come Wednesday, but how does the personnel groups and what Beeline's kind of feeling in that regard when he's so geared towards the offense going to mesh with what's probably needed on defense? I think that's going to be like a really interesting little thing to kind of follow as we kind of go forward. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, that gets back to our first topic, like his patience in general uh, with anything is going to be, you know, pretty interesting. Um, you know, they say that they're into player development now. Um, you know, what what is what does that mean? I mean, uh, I'm I'm well, you know, will they try different lineups? He seems to really like data, so like I'm curious to see like if that means lineup data. Like, does what like how flexible is he? You know, looking to be here. Um, and then also like with JB Bickerstaff, you know, sort of supposed to be in charge of the defense, like how much control is he giving up? Um, how long does he give up that control? Um, it's all pretty interesting. All right. Let's let's look at, as we kind of wrap up, just looking at the caps before we get into a little extension stuff, uh, any, ex- any predictions you want to make on Thursday, any one thing or any big season prediction, just something you want to just throw out there into the universe, regardless of how, but you kind of hardcore believe it or not. I said they're not going to make like any like win now moves. Uh, and I think big picture they won't, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them at some point in the season, like make a couple trades, just especially if Kevin Love gets hurt, um, just to like try and reach like a level of baseline competence to try and help some of the young guys develop a little bit. Um, and also I, I do think you're going to have some of those guys um, because they're trying to make money. Yeah, I think that's, that's all fair. My prediction is, uh, for this, for the game is that, um, we see uh, the cr- a crunch time fourth quarter lineup where we do see Garland and Texton, regardless of what the context of the game is. And I don't think the Cavs are, are going to win uh, their first like five games. I think it's going to be a kind of a roughy kind of punch to the face kind of start. Um, all right, look at that, David. We, we're coming off this big extension day. Jalen Brown signs, Buddy Heald signs. Um, basically, Demonis Sabonis ends up signing after kind of some thought that he might not. Jetty Osmond is kind of one of the more notable guys, I think, that did not agree to an extension. Um, a, what do you make of Jetty not agreeing to an extension? Personally, I think it's kind of reasonable for him to really just bet on himself. But what do you think of 
what do you just think of what we kind of saw unfold and what that could mean for the Caps, who will be one of the teams with cap space next summer, most likely? Um, what do you what do you kind of make of everything there? Uh, I, I was sort of getting the sense that neither side was that interested in an extension. Um, I don't know if that's right. It's probably not. Um, but the way that Chetty played in preseason probably didn't, you know, make the Cavs feel like they had to force their hand or anything like that. Um, he really, really struggled, which I don't think it necessarily matters, but it was just kind of an interesting wrinkle while, you know, this, these negotiations might've been happening, but, um, I mean, he just has to like prove that he's consistently an NBA player and, he might have played well, you know, the second half of last year. Um, and it's hard to tell, you know, on really bad teams. And that's kind of the problem with, like, being a player development team is, like, when things are bad, it's hard to tell, you know, who's really responsible for things being bad, right? So um, I think Browns fans see this all the time, like, good players or, you know, players that were on the Browns, they were on bad Browns teams, they leave and you're kind of like, all right, well, he wasn't really helping us get better anyway. Um, but then they go on. I'm like, I mean, I'm watching Monday night football right now. Danny Shelton plays, uh, Jabal Sheard has been in the league. Like there's a, when the Falcons were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, they had like five X Browns. Um, you know, it, it's, you, it's hard to evaluate talent when so many of the players are bad and things look bad. So I worry about that. Yeah, I worry about that. And I, I think, too, when you look at next summer, if you're looking at the Cavs likely having some money, um, I'm going to pull this up to, to if, if everything held true to now, uh, the Cavs could have a maximum of about almost $38 million in cap space next summer. Um, Jeff Siegel over to the Bergerich projects it to be about $33.1 million in cap space next summer. So there are some of the things you could do with that. You know, you could resign uh, Tristan Thompson. You know, you could resign Delhi. You know, I think Henson, Clarkson, and Knight are things that seem less likely than those things. I think Tristan's probably the guy I'd be most interested in bringing back, depending on what he looks like this year. I don't get all the clamor for a Clarkson extension. I just don't really see the point of it. Um, I'm trying to trade him as soon as you can to just get value for for him. And just even if it's two second round picks, I think I would definitely do that. And maybe you're going to eat, you know, maybe you're going to eat some of that cap space. Maybe you go down to like, you know, 25 20 million dollars something like that with somewhere in that range i think we're headed most likely into a situation where it's going to be a test of kobe altman like being in the rest of that front office brain trust being really smart being prudent and not spending to spend i think i i talked i hit i tweeted about this very briefly I think teams like Atlanta and Memphis, if things go right for them this year, are going to be in a much more advantageous position to spend money on a free agent, maybe a little more in the restricted market, make it get that player, and then take a leap as in in part to getting that player. You know, I I don't think the Cavs, even if they get guys, and there's guys on that market that I like. I like Malik Beasley. I like the the Kings Bogdanovich. Um, those are those kind of being the two most notable guys in addition to, to ideally keeping Jetty at a reasonable number. I don't look at what is going to be out there next summer and think, I want to blow my money on that now. 
that money's not going to go anywhere. I don't want the cap. I don't think the cap should be like cheap by any regards. And I think they could resign some guys to shorter, um, you know, bigger. Maybe Tristan gets like a one-year deal for like fifteen million dollars or twelve million dollars or something like that, and that eats up some cap space. I think it's going to be interesting to see like next summer, assuming they keep this money, how they feel this team like where this team is at. Because I think if I think if they feel like next year is a leap year for whatever reason. You think about how NFL teams build around young quarterbacks. You have Garland and Sexton, um, and you know Jetty should still be pretty cheap and whatnot. You have like your young guys that you're going to be banking on, plus your top pick next year because this team's going to be bad. You're going to be able to take those guys and have them on like really low portions of your cap space. So if you feel like you can take like a, a leap in the next two years while these guys are still really cheap, maybe you overpay for somebody. I just don't know if that guy's in the market next year. I don't tend to think that they are. Um, even I, though I like Beasley, like Bogdanovich, I don't think those guys are taking you up a notch. So I don't know if it's worth it to pay them that. But if you think that, that seems like the kind of summer where like paying a little bit extra to like get them before your, your young guys get super expensive. That seems like a a reasonable way to do things. I mean, Darius Garland is not going to be making double digit multi-million dollars, um, until 2023 Colin Sexton's not going to be making you know above 6.3 million dollars until 2022 like you have time until these guys are going to get like you know extensions worth real money you have time to to overspend a little bit Uh, and plus with the the Larry Nance contract escalating the Kevin Love contract escalating you know those are things that can help you kind of create some wiggle room I wonder if they think next year will be a leap year for that or if they feel like a need to maximize Kevin Love's like age 32 season or whatever yeah i doubt it's next summer but potentially the one you know punt a little bit they could have a little bit of a summer like what the knicks did um only it wouldn't be our backup plan it would be the you know the the first plan like where you're just kind like of nine bajillion power forwards yeah, but I mean, you're just sort of signing guys to one and two year deals um, for you know big money because why not? And you're just filling out your roster, um, not like long term. We're signing this person because he thinks they put us over the top, you know. So, um, but they might feel like they need to tank again next year. So, uh, I don't think we really have any idea. Does anyone that could be available intrigue you at all? And and did anyone that signed with resign with their team? Um, did any of those guys kind of strike you as someone you would have liked to see the Cavs kind of make a play for? Um, you know, I think Sabonis was interesting. I think Jalen uh, Brown was interesting, um, but no, not really. I think. I think when the Cavs are ready to add to Garland and Sexton and 2020 lottery pick, um, it'll probably be via trade um, rather than like restricted free agency um, or regular free agency. So um, I just think it's very hard to predict who those guys are going to be, which isn't to say none of these guys aren't helpful, but I mean, I mean, look at it. I mean, some of these guys are getting huge money because teams know that it's better to have good players than to not have good players and they can figure out the money later. Um, so, I mean, if you're, if you're Boston, are you happy that you're paying uh, Jalen that kind of money? Probably not, but like, 
they could get rid of him fairly easily. Like, I think, you know, I don't think it's likely that the Cavs are going to get somebody by signing them in restricted free agency. Now, if Jalen Brown is still not that good a year from now, maybe the Cavs can trade for him. You know, so I think that's more likely. Yeah, Sabonis was interesting. I thought Heald was really interesting. Um, I think shooting obviously just matters so much uh, that I, I would have been down for that. But otherwise, I think it's okay. Like, And, you know, we'll see what these guys do next summer. Um, it'll be really interesting to see just how Kobe Allman approaches that. I don't. I get the sense, kind of figuring, looking at all of this that's happened today and surveying that landscape and, and whatnot. I do not think that the Cavs are going to be able to, like, rent out this cap space in exchange for stuff. Like, that does not seem like a likely thing that's going to happen. I could be really wrong, but I don't know, like, who's clearing the decks when, like, guys like Lavert and Jalen Brown and Buddy Hield and Sabonis, like, these guys that are good players and should keep getting a little bit better, none of them are available anymore. And I don't know why a team's going to, like, try to clear cap space for that, you know? Unless it's, like, a team that that is, like, doing something, like, crafty to try to create a little money to go get a veteran or something like that. I just don't – I think we're going to be in position to watch the Cavs have to take, like, a – kind of do one thing or the other with that money. And if I, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see if they rush into spending any money. Yeah, I just – I don't see it happening. I don't either, and I think that's honestly for the best. Um, David, wrap it up on this. Any – any give me one thing about the Magic that you're intrigued to kind of see aside. I, I think Marco Fultz is the obvious one, but what's something on you think people should watch for on Wednesday? I mean, apparently Aaron Gordon's, you know, kind of supposed to be a star now. So um, I'm not saying he isn't, um, but, you know, does he jump out at you? Because that's kind of what you hope for. Yeah, um, I think Jonathan Isaac's interesting. And I just want to see if Mo Bamba, like, is an actual NBA player. Because he's apparently their backup center and ahead of Ken Birch, who I think was good last year. And I'll be curious to see if, like, Mo Bamba um, can be anything of interest for them. Because that's... If he is, like, that's really good for Orlando. If not, um, that's kind of a bummer because he's kind of could be really fun. But you can find David on Twitter at David Zabach. I'm on Twitter at CWM Rights. Check out everything we have at Fear the Sorter. And now check out our the big SB Nation NBA preview that I, I wrote up for the Across the Whole Network. But, David, it's finally here. We're back, and it's going to be a fun season, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, talk to you soon. Later, man.